When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is July 5th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and today's a mailbag. It's just us talking. Hope you guys had a great July 4th. For my American listeners, uh, for the people who live in Canada who listen to this, hope you had a great Canada Day. And if you're anywhere else in the world, hope you just had a great day in general. Uh, anyways, today is a mailbag day. As I said, it's just us talking. Uh, no Connor Ryan this week. So it's just us. And I asked for some questions on Twitter. As always, you guys delivered amazingly. Uh, the best part is that a lot of these questions are different. They're not all the same. I was, I'm always worried that they're all going to be kind of the same question. There's some overlap. Some people sent in a few questions and they overlap with others. So I kind of just took the one question they had uh, that was kind of on its own, didn't overlap with other stuff. So uh, lots of good questions this week. Um, and we'll dive right in. We will dive right in. So uh, I got a question actually right before I started recording uh, from Eugene Manorino. Eugene Manorino, he asked, any chance the Bruins will get back into round one? And I believe he's talking round one of the 2022 NHL draft, not round one of the playoffs next year. My answer is, it's a good question. I don't see them jumping back in, but it wouldn't surprise me if they did. I think if they, you know, I think they have the assets that if they really wanted to get back in, they could. But I might think that take a, that might take a little too much. Little too much, especially if they're it looks like with Bergeron returning, they're probably gonna try to compete for a Stanley Cup again. This could hurt their chances. My whole theory has been starting with next year's 2023 NHL draft, which everybody's regarding as the next 2015 in terms of talent, which to you Bruins fans probably is not <laughs> encouraging to hear. Um, but that's when I think you start building through the draft more. If you're really gonna go for it again, maybe you do try to run it back. Uh, and, and, you know, you don't, uh, you, you hold off on getting back into the first round this year. So I don't expect them to, but it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't shock me. And the way Jake DeBrusque played down the stretch, which we'll get to DeBrusque trade ideas later in this episode with the way DeBrusque played down the stretch, maybe a team bites on him for a first, maybe, you know, it's hard to tell the trade market's weird. Teams will overpay for a guy like Jake DeBrusque, who was a first line winger throughout most of the second half and a lot of that Carolina series. So who knows? 
but I would I would be more surprised if they did than if they didn't just with the way things are going. So that's uh, on the 2022 NHL draft front. I believe Connor and I will have a full episode uh, looking at the draft and things like that later in this week. Uh, but for now, that's really the only draft question I got. Again, it's mainly because the Bruins <laughs> don't have a pick in this first round, which has become a theme, which has become a kind of a bad theme that the Bruins have had uh, the past bunch of years. Cost of doing business, I guess, in terms of competing, but still not great nonetheless. A uh, question from at Jeremy85548416. Hell of a number right there. Uh, with a new coach and system and little to no cap space currently, would it be the best idea to give the 2C spot to Jack Stadnika for the season for one last chance to see what we can get out of him? I think this is a good idea. It's a little outside the box. And this would only be a good idea if they were rebuilding. Because if the Bruins with Stanika as the second line center were... If you if Stanika was great, then great. You you got something there. You know, finally he's he's come to. You know, you maybe have a top six center in him. And if he's not good, doesn't matter because you're trying to lose anyways. They're not trying to lose this year. At least that's the feeling. Again, it has not been made clear by management yet. Um, I'm really only going off that with Bergeron reportedly returning. So to me, again, I I don't think. Stadnika is going to be uh, in the top six this year, at least to start. I think they are going to do something at 2C, which we'll get to in a bit. Uh, they should, especially if they're going to keep trying to go for cups. Um, I do think, however, with Stadnika, with Jim Montgomery as head coach, I do think he's going to get a look in the bottom six, which I've been kind of saying for a while. I think that's the route they want to take, go a little bit younger in the bottom six. So um, I do think he will get another shot which again, this is what, three straight years now that they've been hoping that he's going to pan out. Um, I'm also curious what Stanika gets as an RFA this offseason. So uh, cool idea if they were rebuilding. If they're going for it, not so much. Not so much. I know they're cap constrained, but I do think there are options you can do to get out of that. I think they tried, at least we'll try to exercise those options uh, this offseason. Question from at Odysseus underscore Toro. What specific players will benefit the most out of Montgomery? Is the bottom six set in stone with in-house uh, slash minor league players, or is there need for UFA signings? What UFAs are realistically available? So best bet for who's going to play better under Montgomery. You know that when Brad Martian returns, he's probably going to be still an elite player. You know, you wonder how he's going to be after the surgery, but I do think he's still going to be an elite player. Pasternak, same thing. Bergeron, you know, still going to be, Top pairing, uh, not top pairing, a number one center. I think the best bet will be the younger players. The best bet, I do believe, will be the younger players. I mentioned Stednika already, Trent Fredericks another, Oscar Steen. For the roster regulars, I think it's safe to say Jake DeBrusque is due. If they keep him, if they do decide to keep him, I think he would, he would be a guy who would benefit from a fresh voice. It was no secret that him and Cassidy did not, were not, you know, harmonious. Credit to both of them for sticking it out the rest of the season. You know, the way that DeBrusque was able to play and uh, Cassidy put him up on line one with Martian and Bergeron. So clearly that worked out, but I think Jake DeBrusque will hundred percent benefit um, from a new coach, especially a guy like Montgomery, who is known as a player's coach, known as a guy who's you know positive reinforcement, all those types of things. Another one's Brandon Carlo. I think there's a chance Carlo could see kind of a little bit of a, um, a bounce back year, which we'll get to later as well. That was another kind of question I got about him. Um, and part of that is I think Montgomery's puck possession style 
the way they go through the neutral zone. You know, the, the breakout is not quick ups. It's a lot of see what uh, the other team is giving you in terms of neutral zone coverage and defense and things like that. That might benefit a guy like Carlo. Now, Carlo's thing ultimately hit his downfall the past couple of years has been D zone coverage. Because again, Brandon Carlo is not being looked to, to be this, you know, offensive dynamo back there. He's mainly looked at as, can you shut down the other team? And that's something you struggled with in recent years. So I look at Carlo and I think there's a chance he could benefit from a new coach. I do. Uh, also, there will also be a new D coach this year with Kevin Dean uh, being let go as well. Uh, you asked also, or Odysseus also asked, uh, is the bottom six set in stone and is there a need for UFA signings? No. <laughs> Bruins, Bruins spent all of last offseason signing guys for the bottom six. Ho, uh, Nosek, Hala, Felino. I know Hala uh, did not end the season in the bottom six. He worked his way up to 2C, but that was not why he was signed initially. It was a, you know, that looked like a guy who, um, you know, again, was in the bottom six for the first half of the year. So you do not need to sign anybody in the bottom six because also you have a lot in the system. You have a lot on the team. You have, you know, Coyle and Smith. If Smith doesn't get dealt, you have Frederick, you have Mark McLaughlin, Oscar Steen, Jack Stanika. You have six right there who you could make as your bottom six. You could just formulate those guys and plug in place. And suddenly you have uh, a bottom six with those six guys. That doesn't even include no second Felino. Um, so there should not be any focus on the bottom six when it comes to UFAs. Uh, UFAs available. You know, Elliot Friedman reported that Vinny Trocek is a guy the Bruins have their eye on. Um, not the only team with their eye on Vinny Trocek. Got to be a little careful giving too much money to a Prius, as Brad Marchand would uh, would would alert to. But uh, I do think that, um, you know, realistically, it's tough to include Claude Giroux, even though I do believe that is the best fit in terms of what the Bruins want, need, where they're going. Like, he is the best fit, but I don't see him leaving Florida. Um, Nazem Kadri is another that a lot of people look at for obvious reasons. He's the number one, number one center on the market. Um I think there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. A lot of people willing to throw money at him. Colorado, I believe, has expressed they want to bring him back, which would be wild with the way that roster is constructed, but they could do it. Um, so, you know, again, the Bruins have about 2.3 million in cap space. Not a ton to play around with. Not a lot there to get creative, which we will get creative in a little bit. We will get creative um, in a little bit. There's another question uh, from at Sean Edmonds 11 with a new voice in the room with uh, Jim Montgomery at the helm. Will we see Stanika Zaboral and maybe even Vakaninen get steady ice time in the NHL? Now, Erhel Vakaninen uh, was traded to the Anaheim Ducks, so he is not going to be getting any ice time with the Bruins this year. Um, but, again, this goes along with the question earlier about Stanika. Stanika will get, I do believe, um, a long look in the lineup at some capacity. I think that's going to be part of Montgomery's job uh, is to give those, longer, give those uh, younger kids a longer leash. Again, you know, if they make a mistake, they're not immediately taken off the ice. So I do think that that is one thing um, that I, I think you will see Sednika, especially with Montgomery. Zaboral is an interesting one because he gets forgot about a lot. Uh, you know, Zaboral again, uh, tore his ACL uh, last December, I believe. Um, and again, it was such bad timing for that. Not that it's ever a good time to tear your ACL, but that was a really bad time considering he was having a great year. He was steady. He was in the lineup every night. Um, you know, again, was he the top four defenseman they drafted? Absolutely not. But he was a reliable number five or number six defenseman who could play both sides, by the way, right and left. So, you know, it looks like Zaboral should be ready for the start of camp. And again, with Grizzlick and McAvoy out, 
for the start of the season. You have to think Zabor will get a look. And again, that's another left shot defenseman on this team. They got a lot. That's going to be a place they got to make decisions on because you can't be like six deep on the left side <laughs> with NHL talent when you have holes in other parts of the roster that you got to fill. So um, I do think Sadiq and Zaboro will get steady ice time at the NHL level, at least to start, at least to start. Again, I think if you get 20 games on Sadika and you got two points and he's a, you know, I don't mean, you know, plus minus is not the end all be all, but just off the top of my head, if he's a minus four or something, hard to keep him in longer, hard to keep him in longer. Um, so that is the deal with that. A uh, question from at Jason underscore C four, four, three, one. If you were Donnie on July 13th, what moves are you pulling off to upgrade your roster? Also factor in that you have roughly 12, 12 to 14 million to work with because you traded DeBrusque, Mike Riley, Felino, and Smith. That's a lot. Uh, so I went through the math and I actually did all these things. So I didn't, tr- in this scenario, because uh, clearly Jason underscore C4431 loves fun stuff. So I'm for it. Nick Felino isn't getting traded. Nick Felino's best bet is to get bought out. Uh, and that would, I believe he would cost them if he, He's bought out like 1.9 million uh, in the in cap for next year. So all in all, with what they currently have in cap space, plus those guys getting dealt and Felino getting bought out, they have about 14.33 million in cap space in this situation, which would be quite a lot. So first order business, 14.33 million, you would spend that on center depth. Uh, you'd spend that on the second line center. So if I was in charge, here's what I would do. Throw the bag at Claude Giroux. On a two to three year deal, you throw a lot of money per year at him. Now, again, it's a lot, but he fits perfectly in what they're trying to do, right? The Bruins, the cup, they just keep extending the cup window every, you know, one year, another year, another year. You know, you're not looking for a long term fix there because there's no one on this market that you're building your team around. You know, you don't have like a Tomas Hurdle who would have been a perfect fit as a number one center for the next 10 years. There's nobody on this market that is going to do that. You know, even Nazem Kadri is 32. So to me, it's Claude Giroux, right? You're going to keep competing for one to two more years. You say, hey, Claude, we're going to go for it completely. We're going to re-sign pasta. We're going to do all these things. We're going to go for a cup again. Uh, And I know he wants to stay in Florida. But again, if you have that space, you have the leverage to say, hey, we're going to offer you even a little bit more. You know, again, money talks. (laughs) Money can get people to do things. So again, not a guarantee, but that would be my first order of business. Uh, I'm not as high on Kadri as others are in this market, or at least some others. Uh, again, the age gets me a bit. He's 31. Um, I think I said he was 32 earlier. I think he'll be 32 in October. Uh, but again, 31 right now. The, the season he just put up feels a little like an outlier. Feels a little like an outlier. Again, he was in a really good situation. And again, if you put him on this Bruins team, he's between Hall and Pasternak, most likely. Again, a good situation. But the longevity is not great. I worry about him because, again, three to four years down the road, if this is a bad contract, you know, if he signs a six-year deal or a seven-year deal even, which would be a lot, that would go up to like age 39, 40. Uh, but if you sign a deal around there and you're th- two, three, four years in and you're regretting it and he's gotten, you know, six or seven million per season, he might even get more in this market, honestly. But if it's around there and you're regretting that contract and you got a deal a first round pick to get rid of his contract when you need those first round picks, that's not going to look good. That's not going to look good. Cause as you've seen over the past bunch of years, the Bruins have given away firsts to get rid of contracts. I mean, they had to do basically get rid of the John Moore contract, David Backus contract, 
this is going to be a time two to three years down the road when you do not want to be giving up first round picks. You're going to want to draft those guys in the first round. So again, Kadri might be really good for next year, maybe even the year after, but where the Bruins are down the road, I don't know if you want a potential regrettable contract on the books uh, in Nazem Kadri. Um, again, his play style fits this team perfectly. That's the thing. That's the tough part about Kadri is it's a great play style. I think he would fit well. You'd get production. I just question where the team's going. Now, again, if they got a Stanley Cup in year one, they got a Stanley Cup next year with Kadri at second line center, it's all worth it. But if they don't, and suddenly you have a regrettable contract on your hands, you got an issue. Um, so again, you got a lot of cap space in this situation. And by the way, this hasn't happened yet. This is just the question I was asked. Um, Want to get nuts, though? Johnny Gaudreau. Johnny Gaudreau and Jim Montgomery have a terrific relationship. They work together in the USHL. There's a guy. There's a guy, Johnny Gaudreau. Now, the thing with Gaudreau, be a lot of money. It'd be a fair amount of that $14.33 million in cap space. But that is guaranteed production um, on the wing. That is a, for sure, top six winger. The question is, uh, if you got Johnny Gaudreau, uh, would that make Taylor Hall expendable? Because suddenly, you know, you've got a lot tied up in top six wingers, which again, I guess is a good thing for now. You know, I guess in that situation of Marshan, Pasternak, and then you'd have, uh, you'd have Taylor Hall and, and um, William Jake DeBrusque now. So that would be a good top six. You know, you have Gaudreau, Hall, Pasternak, Marshan, awesome. That's maybe the best top six group of wingers in the league. Uh, but does that, you know, do, do they re-sign Pasternak with that? It's an interesting question. You know, do they devote that money to Pasternak? I mean, again, if you have Pasternak and Gaudreau and Hall, that's a really good uh, top six going forward. I know they have Marshan as well. Um, and then, you know, again, I think I mentioned Taylor Hall being expendable in that situation has a, no, a modified no trade clause. Then you could probably get away with dealing Hall and not be hurt because you have Johnny Gaudreau there. So, again, that's what I would do with that money. I think you got to go big especially with this. And those are all guys I mentioned who fit the team short-term and long-term. So good stuff all around. Jason, thank you for the, the fun. And now, now we go back to reality with the 2.3 million in cap space. So now it's not as fun. Now we're going to like, we have deflated. It's like that post-concert high wears off and just go right back to everything being normal. Um, question from Tony, Tommy Bennett, not Tony Bennett, <laughs> Tommy Bennett. Uh, if you are Sweeney, what are you doing to construct the team? Are you using a buyout? What do you look to, who do you look to add? Uh, Bergeron is returning. So contending is a must. You're correct. Tommy contending is a must. I think this year, I don't think Bergeron is going to come back to rebuild unless I'm wrong. Maybe he will. Um, again, I've always thought all along if Bergeron left a full rebuild or, you know, a one year or two year rebuild would work. Um, but my first order business again, love Nick Felino, the guy, love him, the leader locker room presence. I do think you have to buy him out 3.8 million on the books for next season is not ideal, especially given that his roster spot is in the bottom six at times looked like he was in the roster last year, solely because a lot, he was a locker room presence solely because he made, you know, more than the other guys in the bottom six. Um, I think a buyout would have to take place again. And, and uh, that would bring the cap down to 1.93 million this upcoming season. And then I believe like 900,000 the next year. So a lot more palatable again, hate to watch him leave. You know, you don't want to see a guy like him go a leader like him, but for the sake of this team and for his roster spot, I think you got younger guys there that can do it a lot cheaper. That's what I think. And again, I think they brought Felino in thinking he could be more of a presence in the top six last year and just never really worked out. It never did. 
Um, so I would, uh, that would be my first order of business. Then I would try and deal Mike Riley. Uh, that would free up about 3 million in cap space, which would be very good. And as I mentioned earlier, this organization has got more than enough <laughs> puck moving left shot defensemen. You, know, you got Grizzlick, you got Lindholm. A lot of people have mentioned trading Grizzlick. I think that's the guy you hold on to. Uh, now with this, you know, him being out through opening night, that's a little bit harder to deal. I know Riley is injured now as well, but I think he'll be ready for opening night. It's a little different. Um, you also got Jack Ashan in the in the uh, organization. You got Jakob Zaboral that we mentioned already. So you've got guys on the left side who can move the puck. Um, so I would free up that $3 million in cap space. Uh, you also have to think again, you know, are you going to move Jake DeBrusque still? I feel like his value is high, at least for him. But he, the, we really don't know the trade request yet. Is it still in? Is it not? You know, has that been rescinded? So... Um, if they believe that they can free up even more, that's $4 million right there. Uh, another one's Craig Smith. That would free up a fair amount of cap space, over $3 million. So with that space, as I mentioned before, you know, you've got options. You can go out and sign a second-line center if you so choose. Um, but I still believe, I think, and we have not mentioned this yet, the best option at 2C for next year is David Krejci. It's David Krejci. I'm sorry to make everyone, the Krejci thing is the fire that keeps getting stoked. and It's been doing so for a year now. But I do believe if you want your best fit, because again, Claude Giroux is really the best fit, but I I don't think he's leaving Florida. Um, And you don't have all the money in the world. And I don't think they're going to do all of these things. It's just what I would do. Krejci's the best bet. Krejci's the best realistic bet. Now, again, that's kind of convincing David Krejci to actually come back. But that's your best bet. It's your best bet. Because again, Krejci and Bergeron probably play another year, max two years. You get Krejci between Pasternak and Hall. That's a great second line that's producing. And again, I don't care that Krejci, as Connor Ryan said, uh, played against Plumbers in the Czech League. I still think, again, with those guys on his left and right flank, I think you're getting uh, a really good product. And he's not coming expensive. And again, it pushes the center dilemma down a year or two. You get another, you know, you get more drafts, you get more options, um, and you don't break the bank. You don't cap constrain yourself. Again, Kadri could be a regrettable deal down the line. Um, so I think Krejci's probably your actual best bet. That leaves another thing. If, if they do get a second line center this year, you trade Arakala. Value's high. It's not a terrible cap hit. The value is high. Um, and maybe you could make a case that you'd have a third line of Paula, Coyle, and Smith, and that'd be great. But you do have a lot, as I mentioned, you have a lot of young guys in that bottom six. It would not surprise me if the uh, bottom six is comprised mostly of young guys, at least start the year. You could get something for Hala, whether it's, you know, a second or third round pick, or you deal him for another asset, you know, player for player swap. You could. You could. Um, and again, that only comes if you do get a second line center and you're confident that that second line center is actually going to be a legitimate second line center. Um, so that's what I would do if I'm the Bruins. Um, I think it's all stuff you try to do that works in the short term. and doesn't constrain yourself with the cap long term. Safe bet that not all those things happen, uh, but some might. But we're talking really safe bets. We're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source. The number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find all the latest odds news and sports developments including major league baseball scores nhl and nba futures 
latest fighting news, and even next season's early, early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get the bonus and get into the action. BetOnline, where the game stats. Where the game stats. You don't have Connor here to do the Boston accent, so it is up to me to do the Boston accent. Uh, question from Jason Connolly. Hey, Evan, what's up from Australia? Ooh, Australia. I wanted to actually go study abroad uh, in Australia my junior year of college, uh, but COVID was a big thing. And I remember kind of seeing that and going, oh, I don't know if I want to travel in this and plan a huge excursion to Australia. And then, of course, everybody got sent home. All my friends that were abroad got sent home uh, in those COVID months of March uh, 2020. It was frantic, so I was kind of happy that I didn't go. But Australia is a place I want to go to really bad, Jason. So uh, he says, he's saying, what's up from Australia? Shout out to Connor. Uh, you guys are my shout out to you and Connor. You guys are my info in Australia. Thank you very much. I love to hear people listening globally, like worldwide. I think that's so cool. So thank you, Jason. Uh, my question is, do you think we can find a second line center or top six uh, center from the free agency market? And who do you think we should look at? So um, I've kind of hit on these already. Um to me, if I were to rank my three free agent centers, I would go Claude Giroux one, Nazem Kadri two, Vinny Trocek three. Um, the reason Kadri would be over Trocek would be simply because I think in this lineup, they could use a little grit. And if you're going to get it from someone like him, I think Cam Neely would love a Nazem Kadri. I think that would fit in perfectly with kind of his postseason uh, or you know end of season comments. So I think Kadri would fit. I just it's the the cap constraints, man. I know that's probably the most common word used, the common used word I have uh, said in this episode. But I do think um, that it's just tough with the money and with the years. If he was a little younger, I would be all in on this because he would be a Bruin. <laughs> that's the thing. Like, it's funny. I've seen some people and we, I mentioned this in previous episodes. Um, seems people on Twitter being like, no, I don't want Nazem Kadri here. No, 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 no. He, you know, he's a, he's awful and all these things and he's dirty. And it's like, if you had Nazem Kadri, you would love him. <laughs> you would love Nazem Kadri. Don't, don't kid yourself. Um, so again, and I mentioned earlier also this, realistically, given the situation with the cap, David Krejci, that's your guy. And I know running it back, everything, but that's what the, the, you know, the early signs on this 2022-23 Bruins is they're going to be running it back. At least that's what it feels like. So again, Krejci's probably uh, your guy. Also, also to mention, they don't have a lot of cap space, as I've already said many times. So they do have to get creative with that um, or how they free up that cap space. Uh, question from at Max Can underscore. If Krejci is not back, thoughts on acquiring Sean Monahan from Calgary since it is rumored they are buying him out because they need cap space to lock up Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Mangiapane and already have a number two in Backman. Better option than Hala, in my opinion. Um, this is also a similar question from Jackson Poole. I'm kind of answering both in this. Uh, I am not in favor of Sean Monahan. I have zero interest in Monahan. Um, two straight down years, season-ending uh, right hip surgery in April. You never know how a player is going to return from that. Uh, what's funny is when I was doing some pre-show prep, you know, I typed in Sean Monahan. Top Google search result was, uh, or top like people also ask search result. What has happened to Sean Monahan? <laughs> so I don't know about Monahan. 
I am not in favor of this. Um, I understand the sentiment to try and invest when someone's value is low, get him, you know, on the bargain bin clearly has shown in the past that he can play with great players and he's put up, you know, points in the past. Um, I just don't want another fringe top six guy in this Bruins team. You have enough. You've enough. And I, I think we said this last year, like you, are, the Bruins are, have um, fringe top six guys in surplus on this team. And again, Monaghan's not a sure bet. Like all the guys I mentioned before, Giroux, Kadri, maybe even Trocek are bona fide top six centers. Monaghan has really fallen out of that. And yeah, you know, you can say, hey, maybe a new coach, maybe a new place would benefit him. Not a huge fan. And again, with the buyout, it's, you know, it's hard to tell. But just to go off of what he's currently making, he's going to be heading into the final season of a deal with a $6.375 million cap hit. Um, if I'm going to go up against Hala, Hala's cap hit is currently $2.375 million. So I think one has a lot more value than the other, just given points-wise and also uh, money-wise. So I don't really want Monahan. That's been a guy that's been mentioned around here for a long time. I think the last two deadlines people mentioned Sean Monahan. Um, or at least the last one. So I'm not a huge Sean Monaghan guy. I don't think many people are. Um, interesting to see what happens with him out in Calgary. Cause again, like I think they thought he was going to be a core player of that roster. And he just wasn't this year. He wasn't the year before. And he really hasn't evolved along with Kachuk and Gaudreau and the other guys they have um, on that roster. So uh, I'm a no on Sean Monaghan. Question from Orville Schredenbacher. That's a hell of a name. <laughs> That's a great name. Three-part question. Three parts, Orville? What the hell? Uh, realistic 2C option if Krejci doesn't come back. Uh, stick with Hala or look to add. Uh, hypothetically, if the entire D was 100% healthy, does this team need to add another top four caliber D-man or is this good enough? And then actual realistic trade and free agent names to look for. So we have gone over the 2C spot quite a bit in this episode. So I will, uh, I've already answered Krejci and second line center stuff. So I will focus on parts two and three of this question, which have a lot to do with defensemen. Um, the team really does not have enough right now cap wise to even handle their biggest issue, which is second line center. Top four D is not really an issue. So I, there's no need to spend that extra money when you're, when you really just did Hampus Lindholm, you just went out and traded for and signed long-term. So you have Lindholm McAvoy. That's a hell of a top pair. Maybe best top pairing in the league, depending on how they do uh, when McAvoy comes back and he's healthy. Um, and you also have Grizzly and Carlo, who, again, you need to see more out of Carlo for sure, especially given his you know current contract. Um, and Grizzly, you need a little more production out of. Um, but that's a top, that's a good top four. That's not a top four that you need to go out and immediately get a guy. Like Ryan McDonough just got moved to Nashville, right? Now, again, if this was last year and they didn't have Hampus Lindholm, you would hope the Bruins would have been in on a Ryan McDonough, but now because they have Hampus Lindholm, you really don't need to be. So top four D is not something they need to add to at all. At least right now, again, if they're fully healthy, they should not have to add in the top four. You, they've spent more than enough. They have, you know, um, like 9.5 tied up in McAvoy. They have a lot in Lindholm and Carlo. So top four does not need to be touched. Um, you asked realistic trade and free agent names to look for. So trade can be tough. You know, obviously everyone mentions like Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, but I was more focused on, you know, what do they need? What's something, you know, that they could add that would be cost efficient. And I was looking at free agent names. And I still think, because Josh Brown is a free agent, I don't think there's a huge desire to bring him back. Um, 
if I'm looking at free agency, I'm looking to add a depth right shot defenseman. So not someone who is a top four guy. Again, you have McAvoy and Carlo for that. At least you pay him like that, at least with Carlo. Um, Jan Ruta down in Tampa is a free agent. 6'2", 211 pounds, solid defensive defenseman, was a good depth guy in Tampa. Shouldn't cost you more than $2 million per season. I believe he's making $1.33 million now. That shouldn't be over $2 million for next season, uh, you know, for his next deal. That's a guy I look at. And he's also won two cups with Tampa. So for me, that's a guy. That's a guy I look at and say that's a target. I know like last year it was Hockenpah who ended up going to Dallas. So uh, I do think you need to add a solid right shot defenseman who can be a depth guy, who can fill in. You know, injuries are going to hit the team as they hit everybody. So I think he's a guy um, who they should target, uh, you know, and get creative with it. Question from at Mr. Bruin. And Bruin is not spelled B-R-U-I-N. It's spelled like Bruin, like it's Bruin beer. So I'm, this, I like that name too. Uh, what are some realistic one-for-one deals for Jake DeBrus? Natchez, Zaka, Dylan Strom, Pujarvi. Um, Really wouldn't want to do any of these. Really would not want to do any of these. Um, Martin Natchez is, you know, showed a lot of promise in Carolina, a fan. Um, but uh, if they were able to flip DeBrusque for a top six center, might be worth it. Might be worth it. But if you're going to trade DeBrusque for another struggling-ish top six center, a fringe top six center, like Zaka or like, again, like Dylan Strom was between two really good players this year. So if you're going to put Strom in the same situation, maybe it works out, but I don't know. Again, things look pretty good with DeBrusque. Things look fairly good with Jake DeBrusque right now. Uh, the price isn't too high, especially if you're going to keep him in the top six. Um, so again, wouldn't really die to do any of these, but if something were to pop up with a legit top six center, then sure. But none of these feel like someone, especially Puyarvi, none of these feel like something that uh, I would do a one-for-one on. Um, <laughs> everyone, one-for-one, one, always people remember the Adam Larson for Taylor Hall deal. Um, I don't think this would be that, but um, I don't think that uh, I would be eager to do um, any of these. A question from good friend Reg Schofield, friend of the show Reg Schofield. Um, pasta's future. Took a while for a pasta question to come up, but pasta's future. How realistic is a trade? And if they sign him long-term, what amount and length do you think would be solid? Uh, for me, my best guess, and by the way, I have all these on notes. I have all your questions like on big things on notes. So um, I got all these organized. I'm not like scrolling through my phone, through Twitter and stuff. Cause then I just get distracted. Uh, my best guess, David Pasternak stays. They agree on a deal. And that basically makes it he's not going to get traded if that happens um i think he likes it here he's made no public statement that counters that i know there was that fluto report that there was someone close to Poshnak who said he didn't like sweeney um i still think something's going to get done uh but but if they sit down with him and he doesn't want to stay you get, you got to get traded. <laughs> He's got to get traded. Um, if he sits at the table and says, I do not want to be part of this team going forward. I'm not going to resign. Um, you got, you cannot let him go for nothing. Then he has to be dealt because he would get you a lot. <laughs> you would get a lot because people like David Poshnok do not enter the trade market very often. 
you would get a lot for David Pasternak. And that would also probably signify a full rebuild. That would not be like a retool. That would be a full, basically, rebuild. Um, because even if you remember in 2015 when they dealt Lucic and Dougie Hamilton, neither of those guys had the impact or were like the caliber of player David Pasternak was. So this would be a huge, like bigger than Joe, like on par with Joe Thornton kind of move. Um, and almost similar to the Tyler Sagan trade. Um, again, hopefully the Bruins will get a lot more in return. And by the way, uh, the Sagan trade, we're recording the day after the, uh, I believe, nine-year anniversary of that happening. Nine years ago now, Tyler Sagan was dealt, as our friend Petrov McGuire would say. Missing team breakfast. Maybe Jim Montgomery can get the guys to go to team breakfast now. Um, as for a price for David Pasternak, um, famously Pasternak has said, doesn't play hockey for the money. So what does that mean for this? Uh, he could easily command over 10 on the open market. I think if you can get him between nine and 10 million, cause he's going to get eight years. If you can get him between nine and 10 million per year. Great value. Um, if you could even get him to 8.5, which could feel like a low ball, but again, if you know, he's still not playing hockey for the money and he wants, you know, them to be less cap constrained. Maybe he takes that. It wouldn't surprise me if Pasternak took less considering he took less on his last deal. So I would not expect Pasternak to hold this team over the fire and say, you will pay me, you know, 11.7 million per year. You will pay me Artemi Panarin money. You will pay me Connor McDavid money. Um, I don't expect him to do that, but I do expect him to get paid very well, um, either right with McAvoy or a teeny bit more. Um, and I think it's worth it. Guys like him don't just grow on trees. Like that doesn't just happen. So um, all in for Pasternak to stay. And I do think he will end up staying. Question from Will Highland. Who's the next captain when Bergeron retires? Uh, Martian feels next in line, just given he's a veteran, seniority, age, success, worn the A more and more. Uh, again, if he can kind of cut the antics, I think he's a really solid captain of this team, kind of like is a good um, continuation of the Chara and Bergeron years in, in the sense of leadership. McAvoy is another prime candidate, your number one defenseman, uh, maybe your most important player. You know, he's a guy that um, could easily be. Brandon Carlo's another, although I see him more as like a permanent assistant, um, just given him and, you know, and he struggled in past years. I know the captain does not have to be the best player on the team. This isn't like squirts where, you know, the best player is just the captain. Um, there's a lot of times when the captain is not the best player on a team. It's the leader. Carlo is a leader. So he's another who could be in the, in the mix for a C. An interesting one is Pasternak. Because I do believe if the, you know, the Bruins sit down with David Pasternak and say, look, we're going to try to run it back this year. But after that, we're going to try to do a retool. And we're going to rely heavily on you if you resign long-term to be a leader in this locker room. If Pasternak's all in for that, there's a captain. There is a potential captain as well. Certainly an assistant, but potentially a captain. So I think you got those four guys right there all vying for um, the captaincy. So those, are my, those would be my four picks. Uh, I would say Marchand's probably most likely given just the age. Um, after that, it really, all, McAvoy, Carlo, and uh, Pasternak all have legitimate cases for the C or at very least, certainly uh, an A on the jersey. No, but none of them can compare to when Nick Ritchie was the assistant captain for the final game of the 2021 season against Washington. We will never forget when Nick Ritchie was the assistant captain for that game. We will never forget when he wore a letter on his jersey. No, we will never. Um, anyways, question from at Disportif. 
Will Bruins fans and Bruins press corps ever hold the Jacobs accountable for the product on the ice the same way they do for Sweeney, Neely, Cassidy, current players, bygone players, Batman, other teams, and even some of their fellow fans? And why the F not? So this is weird. I've seen tons of media folks in Boston uh, holding the Jacobs accountable. Again, anytime anyone mentions the Bruins still wanting to run it back again and again and again, Everyone mentions they just want to make the playoffs and everybody mentions how it's likely the Jacobs just want the playoff gate tickets. I've heard that so often over the past like two months. Um, And like, we've all said it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, again, I think there's been plenty. Um, There are times they get held accountable for not seeming like they're very involved. They weren't, uh, they've been available to the media in a long time. Uh, I believe Charlie Jacobs will be available uh, coming up shortly. Um, By shortly, I mean like next week. Uh, with uh, Jim Montgomery and the new coach, I believe. Uh, and then also the reason that Neely and Sweeney get more coverage is because they're the ones putting the team together. Like they're the front office. They lead the front office. They're not the whole front office. There's a lot of you know great staff who work in the front office, but they're the leaders of the front office. Um, they're the ones directly putting together the team. So yeah, they've gotten, a, they've gotten way more crap lately for the cap issues um, for all of it. You know, Neely just got a lot of uh, negative press coverage for bringing back Don Sweeney. Don Sweeney gets a lot of negative press coverage. So they're the ones putting the team together. That's why they get the most um, positive and negative press coverage um, out of all those uh, people. So we have another question. Uh, I believe it's the final question, actually, of today's show. And I don't think I missed anyone. If I did, it was it was because other questions overlapped. That's it. Hopefully I still got your question, even if you sent one in um, and I didn't uh, directly reference it because there were a lot about Krejci and the second line and centers and all those things. Question from Benjamin Dolomont. Your breakout candidate and bust candidate for next season. Predictions with two exclamation points. Well, Benjamin, these always get me in trouble. These predictions always get me in trouble. Um, My breakout candidate, Full season of Hampus Lindholm. You know, you looked at his time last season, really good when he was in the lineup. Um, and I do think he's a guy who I could absolutely see uh, being a great fit on this team this season and a guy who puts up a good amount of points, gets a lot of shots through to the net. Um, and if you get, a, you know, once McAvoy returns and you get him and McAvoy together, I think that's going to be a really strong top pairing. So that would be my uh, candidate to be a breakout for this season. And as I mentioned, with the new head coach, wouldn't surprise me if Brandon Carlo um, is a hell, of a, a hell of a lot better. So um, I would put Lindholm for sure, uh, and then maybe Carlo. And I would also say, same with a full confident season of Jake DeBrusque. <laughs> you know, and and again, but you guys do remember what happened last time I made a huge preseason prediction about Jake DeBrusque. It went very south. So he is not my uh, breakout candidate, but wouldn't surprise me if he. Had a really good season. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say because last time I did, it just didn't work out. So I'm going to leave that to the side and I'll put Hampus Lindholm as my breakout candidate. Um, Bust candidate, there's not a ton I look at. I don't think anyone in the top six is due for huge regression because I think all signs point to to DeBrusque having, uh, you know, continuing the strong second half he had and doing that for a full season, especially with Jim Montgomery as head coach. I would probably go with Charlie Coyle and here's why. Cause I think Coyle was actually solid last year, but again, if they do deal Craig Smith, 
or if they do something else with Craig Smith, they dealt DeBrusque and move Craig Smith into the top six or something like that. And it's coil between two younger guys. Good kind of candidate to see a little bit of regression in points um, and production. So again, it's not really him. It's more if he gets put with, if he's kind of the leader of the kids and the bottom six, it would not surprise me to see um, a little less production out of him, which I guess would constitute him being a bust in net. We have not mentioned goalie once this episode, which is a testament to how well it worked last year. I know a lot of people think Linus Olmark is a waste of money. I don't, I think it actually kind of worked out the way that he was able to give Swayman rest and step in when needed. So um, I don't see either of those guys regressing. Uh, will the goalie hug continue? That is my question to this episode. I'd have to imagine it would, right? Like I know in the, I know in baseball, when the outfielders come together and do like the, the Red Sox used to have their dance, they used to do, they used to come together and, you know, they'd be taking pictures and doing dances. Um, and then they switched it because they, you know, they change every year. I think the goalie hug stays the same. There's not a lot you can like do when you're in big goalie pads. You can't like do all these crazy things and everybody loved the hug. So I think the goalie hug will um, will stay in place. That's my question for this episode. As, you know, I I brought forward the really hard hitting question um, on this episode. So yeah, that is today's episode. All Q and A, all good questions. I appreciate all the support as always. Um, and my own. Usually I ask Connor to tell you what he's got coming up. For me, just go subscribe to Bruins Rinks out on YouTube. That's all I'll ask you to do. If you're not already, I know a lot of you are watching this on YouTube, uh, but some of you listening uh, just by audio, go hit the subscribe button on Bruins Rinks. I'd really appreciate it. A lot of stuff coming up this year, especially. A lot of stuff coming up. So anyways, without further ado, uh, this has been Bruins Beat. I'm Evan Marinovsky, you Bruins Beat listeners. Have a great rest of your week. (laughs) 